So uh, last week I had a, an opportunity to to do a to officiate a wedding for uh, some old childhood friends. In fact, the older brother of the of the man of the couple, older brother was my best one of my best friends growing up, and so hadn't seen this family in like 15 years, and uh, it was really cool because now the little brother is now a grown man with a, you know getting married, and the the friend of mine he works. Uh, for U.S. intelligence overseas, and so he was back in town from a long flight. We we're catching up on life, and and uh, it was it was great. Chloe got to join me for the wedding. It was a fun time. Uh, and one of the things that was interesting, though, is that the mom. So think about the, the mom is a lieutenant colonel in the army, super like go getter, intense lady, and uh, and she says, you know, Jimmy, uh, I tell people about you all the time, and I'm like, oh. You do. Okay. What do you tell them? She goes, I, t- I tell people who don't believe in God, you, there's a man you ought to meet. And I'm like, oh, he's talking about me. And she goes, yes, because you were a crazy boy. And now look at you. And, and, and it's like, oh, you know, I had forgotten. I guess I had forgotten how crazy I was. And sometimes that's, that happens in, in our lives, whatever, whatever it used to look like. We get used to, especially in, in, in God, whatever your life was like before, after a certain period of time living in God, you, you forget. And I thank God for a lot of things that I've forgotten. But what I don't want to forget is who I was and not who I am. Because if I lose sight of what, what God has done in my own life, then I think somehow that I've done something. But it's been God who's done everything to get me where I am today. And so that's what we want to talk about today. I was, I was that kid, and I had forgotten. When God met me, the trajectory of my life had completely changed. I can hardly imagine, honestly, where I would be today if God had not intervened. And so in the forgetting, we, we can fall in, uh, in one of two ditches. And these are the, these are the two ditches of, of uh, you can really acknowledge, you can see in various people's lives and in, in, the, in, the, in the life of in God, before God. There's two main ditches when it comes to the gospel and, and the two sides. One is where, where, I, where I very much was as a, as a high schooler running, chasing girls, chasing drinking and drugs and whatever else it was. And that would be called lawlessness. It's just straight up like I am the center of my world. I'm going to do what I want to, to get what I want to be happy. Or hopefully, you know, that's what I'm seeking is fulfillment, some, acknowledgement, something. But I'm doing it on my own terms. What, and I probably know that, if, that, that it's not right, but I don't care. It's just I'm the center of it. Nobody can tell me what to do. It's kind of a lawless spirit. And, and Jesus is actually very sympathetic. He's very uh, compassionate to, to those in this place. Uh, the, so that's, that's the one ditch. In fact, uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul kind of says, hey, a lot of you used to be here. I'll just read it for you here. He says, 1 Corinthians 6, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor will the sexually immoral, 
idolaters, adulterers, men who have sex with men, thieves, the greedy, drunkards. And he goes on. And he goes on to say, And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so he's, he's wanting people to acknowledge, don't forget, you, such, whatever you're judging, whatever you're concerned about, you were there. Such were some of you. But look at what God has done. And so we have to keep looking back to who we were so that we can see what God has done in our life. And so one of the ditches is, is lawlessness. It's, it's what I used to be. But the other ditch is legalism. It's, it's religiosity. It's moralism. It's thinking that my standing before God depends on me that, and my righteousness and my obedience or my uh, success before God. And that's, that's also, they're both versions of self-salvation. Right? One says, I'm going to save myself by getting what I want. And that's going to be a, a salvation. And the other one, through religion or through morality, says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to appease God. And I'm going to do all the right things. And then God will love me. And then He'll bless me. And then He'll save me. But the gospel of Jesus cuts right through both of those. And it's this gift that Justin was talking about as he's leading worship. It is, it is the righteousness of God in Christ that's been given to you as a gift that you could do nothing to earn. That you could do nothing to, 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 to earn or, or, or buy or, or, or make happen. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. But Jesus died in our place for us, for our salvation. Uh, we see this scene in Luke chapter 7 where uh, there is a, uh, a, a woman, it says, a woman who was very sinful. It doesn't even tell us what she, what she was doing. And it doesn't matter. But, but we know that in her own life and in, in everyone's perception, she was a sinful woman. But she comes before God, before Jesus, at, at a Pharisee's table. And really, in this scene, we have these two ditches. We have the Pharisees, who are the religious establishment. They, don't, they think they're pretty good. They're right with God. They're doing all the right things. And then you have this woman who is deep, who is very sinful, but who is contrite, who she's repentant. She's, she, she acknowledges the holiness of Jesus. And so you have, you have Jesus at the center. You have the Pharisee on the left, the sinful woman on the right. And, uh, and she comes and she pours this alabaster jar of perfume at, on the feet of Jesus and begins wiping his feet with her hair. Right? This is a strange scene to us because we don't... Washing of feet is not... We wear socks and shoes. Like It's a different world than this world. But she's doing all these things that are acknowledging the value and the worth and the beauty of Jesus. The, so she's taking an extremely expensive jar of perfume and she's... She's wasting it. She's pouring it out on Jesus' feet as, an, as a sacrifice of, of praise to his worth. And the Pharisee is, 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 is upset about this. He says, why would you, this is so wasteful, this is, this is ridiculous. And Jesus goes on to say, after, after this little uh, parable, he says, she was forgiven much, and so she loves much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. The point is, if you don't think that you need this, this gift, then you're not going to, the, the heart, your love, your, your, your response is going to be small. But if you recognize the extent to which God has gone to forgive you, 
the, the way that you were dead and he brought you back to life in Jesus, if you see the depth, the more you see the, the depth and the width and the, and the breadth of that, the more you know, your love for him will pour forth. Not, not to earn anything, but as a response to all that he's done. And, um, and so these two ditches are here. And what I want to get at this morning is the need to, uh, to, to, to line back up with the plot. I think sometimes in the church or in, 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 a, in, a, in a Christian subculture where kind of thing, a lot of things are assumed, we can lose the plot line. We can lose what part of the story we're in. And we just think that, oh, I believe in God. I try, to, I try to be a good person. I'm better than a lot of other people. And so I'm pretty good. And that is like a totally false gospel. There's, no, there's nothing about the Bible in that way of thinking, but it's what a lot of people are doing. It's what a lot of people are thinking. And it isn't to say, oh, I'm judging you now for thinking that way, but it's just like, hey, we've got to get back into the plot line and into, into what God has done for us. Uh, so uh, if we're going to build a house, we need to start with the foundation. And the foundation has to be the gospel. The foundation has to be what God has done for us in Christ. And so if I was to put a word on it, um, <clears throat> you ever, there's, there's some churches who do these, these, uh, do these scenes where somebody's holding the sign. This is who I was. And then you flip over the sign, and it's a, it's a, it's a word of, of redemption. It's a word of a new name. Um, it, the reason I, I jumped into Second uh, Corinthians 5 is because I'm thinking, like, the, the sign that I'd be holding is new creation. Because God has, has done a new thing in me. He's given me new life. And He's given anybody who's called in the name of Jesus, that is true for you. That, that you have been given a new name. That you've been given a new life. That you were dead. That, but you've been made alive again. All right, what does the blind man say? I don't know, but I was blind. And now I see. We, that's, that's the gift. That's the, that's the new creation gift that God's kingdom breaking into the, into the present is doing, has done in us and wants to do through us and wants to do for all humanity. And as, as, uh, as, the, as Peter says uh, in the book of Acts, until the time for God to restore everything comes. So he, 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 re, he, raised, he raises Jesus from the dead. He gives us the, the spirit of, of reconciliation. He reconciles us to himself. And then he gives us the message of reconciliation to go and preach the gospel to all creation so that all would be reconciled to God. That's the, that's the, that's the desire of God's heart is that all of his creation would be made right with him. And Jesus has paid the price to do it. And now it's a matter of, of telling every man, woman, and child, telling the rocks and the trees and everything that has, uh, has the, 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 imp- the fingerprint of God. Be reconciled to God. I mean, the rocks and trees don't get reconciled. But I mean, like, every soul reconciled to God. Please, please don't, don't take me wrong there. Um, so, the disciples, what's that? Oh, man. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I didn't think through that. So, so my sign before would say, uh, broken. Broken. And then flip it over. New creation. So God's purpose uh, was that the, is that the gospel would be preached 
to all creation, every nation, every person made in the image of God has been marred by sin, that they would be brought back into the family of God through the blood of Jesus. So the, the disciples, now sitting in a room, probably very similar to this size, you know, you think about the early church. It wasn't these big mega churches. It was small home groups often of people who are recognizing the, the beauty of Jesus and, and that he has changed their life. That they would live as new creation. That, they, that their lives would actually reflect the kingdom of God breaking in to this present world. In the way they do business. In the way they love their neighbor. In the way that they uh, serve the poor. In the way that they live. Every aspect of their life would, would, would be pulsing with new creation life. They'd be kingdom communities filled with the Holy Spirit. And they would find themselves brought into God's plan of redemption. To see his kingdom come. And his will be done on earth. And, and everyone has a part to play. No one is insignificant. Uh, it's not... I was talking to a lady up at the local school, a, a, a security guard. And I'm tell, I was trying to tell her, like, no, it's not, uh, it's not just like the pastors are the, are the servants of God and everybody else just comes and listens to them. It's everybody counts. Everybody counts. Everybody has a part to play. This is God's family. And if you're a part of the family... You're just as much a part of the family as me or anybody else. You matter. And she goes, oh, really? I'm like, yes! You are not second class. You are not anything that you might have thought or picked up in uh, just along the way. You have a part to play. You matter to the purposes of God in the earth. He, he's, if He wants to fill you with His Spirit, then He wants to move through you in everything that you do. And so uh, this, this plot is, simply put, God's created the world. He's called it good. He's made it beautiful. But this world of His has been marred and corrupted by sin. Every corner of, his, of the cosmos has been affected by the cancer of sin. And, and so uh, we, humanity, have brought this about. And so we uh, ought to be the ones to do something about it. But the problem is we can't. And so Jesus... As fully God, fully man, takes on human frame and dies as a man in our place, but as God, because only God could pay the price. So he, he bridges the divide. And he becomes the atoning sacrifice to atone for our sins and to bring about this new, this new, this new humanity. So the premise is that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection form the central event of cosmic and human history, as well as the central organizing principle for our lives. This gives us great humility in recognizing there's nothing I've done to earn this. There's nothing I could do. It's all God. I was dead in my transgressions and sin, and He's made me alive. How could I, how could I be proud of... I've, I was dead. He was all Him. But it also gives us great confidence because He fills us with His Spirit. And says, go and make disciples. I am with you wherever you go. So, so, so the living in the light of God, it says there's, there's humility and there's confidence. And that's what God wants us to walk in. And that's what He wants to give this morning. That His desire is to be with us and us with Him. That we be filled with the very fullness of God. And be brought into His new humanity. That we're not in it on, by ourselves on an old island we're a part of a, of a people which is God's people and that's where um, 
we'll look briefly at just this the central verse in 2 Corinthians 15 or 2 Corinthians 5 and then I want to jump into Acts 13. It says if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come or that person is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I'll read 20 and 21. We, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And here's one of the various ways Scripture sums up the good news of Jesus. He made, God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us. On the cross, dying, taking our sin, taking the brokenness of humanity onto himself, so that in him, in the resurrected Jesus, breaking the power of death, breaking the power of of the enemy, we might become the righteousness of God, so that when God looks at you, he sees the glowing righteousness of Jesus. Because we're we're in Jesus when we put our faith in Him, when we turn from our sin and, and, and acknowledge that He has paid the price. We're made righteous in God's sight. Not because of anything we've done, but because of all that He's done. Okay, so this is the message. This is the gospel. He says, you're, you're ambassadors. You have a message. Your life has a message, but you're, you need to speak um, this message in ways that are, that are contextual in your, at your job, in your neighborhood, to your family. I think we get we get shy about this because we don't want to be overt, we don't want to be pushy, we don't want to be whatever. But if this is the the message of how God has wants to reconcile people to Himself, oh, far be it from me to to get to say no, God, uh, I don't. Not, it's not for me. I actually I'm, not, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna not do that part of it. Like, is He God or is He my God? Right. This is. This is a, uh, an invitation to, be, to die to ourselves. This is following Jesus. It's dying to ourselves and realizing that, that the fullness of life comes by being found in Him and obeying Him. That the joy, the peace, the love, all these things that we want actually come on the other side of, of death to self and obedience to God. So we see all this playing out in the book of Acts. Uh, Paul is uh, this, this man who was a Pharisee. He was this religious uh, leader in, the, in, the, er, in, the, in early Judaism in the first century. And he has this encounter with Jesus and, and, all, and all, all cha- everything changed. Um, so we have in Acts 7, Stephen, who is who's one of the, the men who's raised up to serve the, the poor widows in Jerusalem. Stephen's killed. He's stoned. Uh, in Jerusalem, and a great persecution broke out in Jerusalem, so, so everyone had to scatter. And at this point, the message of Jesus is, is, is exclusively amongst Jews. Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. He, this message was spreading in Jerusalem. Uh, but, the, but the persecution of Stephen caused people to have to go to various places. And one of the places they went to was a city called Antioch. Uh, this is a, a Greek city. There was a large Jewish contingent, but there was people from all over the world who lived in this city. And it says in Acts 11 that uh, 
that they that they that they, they went to Antioch. They were they were keeping the the message of Jesus to the Jews, but they they actually some of them started preaching the gospel to Greeks also. So here we see the the turning of of the church to recognize this is for everybody. This isn't just for the people who look like me or who come from my ethnic background. This is for everybody. And so they start preaching to the Greeks. Uh, and it says, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And so there's, there's four things that it mentions here in Acts 13 that I want to highlight. Because uh, we're named Antioch for a reason. Um, and, and I want to just revisit or visit for the first time why, why that is and what, what's our, our, our inheritance in, uh, in, this, in this church called Antioch from the Bible. Uh, one of it, one, the first one is that, is, is that of diverse leadership. These, the leaders of this church were from all over the place. Uh, so let me review that quickly. Uh, Barnabas was a Levite from Cyprus which uh, was, uh, an, uh, I believe, an island. Is it Cyprus right there, the island? I don't know. It's like a, I think it's like a Jewish island community um, in Italy. And um, so Jewish background, Levite. And then it says Simeon, um, what does it say here? Simeon called Niger. Uh, many scholars just acknowledge that Niger uh, is a word for black, so it's probably Simeon the Black or Simeon the Dark. This was an African uh, proselyte or somebody who came to believe in Jesus uh, from the subcontinent of Africa. And so you have a Jew, an African, Lucius of Cyrene. He was probably, um, Cyrene is in North Africa, modern-day Libya, so he's probably more Egyptian or Libyan-looking um, but was uh, Jewish in his religion and came to, came to follow Jesus. And many think he was one of the founders of this church at Antioch. Um, and then we have Manian, who was a, a childhood friend of Herod. So he comes from, he comes from wealth. He's a, 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 a kind of a wealthy kid. We don't know what his parents did, but he was a, he was a friend of the of the governor of this whole area. So very wealthy, but, but he hears the message of Jesus and he responds. And so already in this small group of leaders, you have a vast diversity of people. And then you have Saul, who was a former Pharisee, but he was a Roman citizen, so he had privilege and he had status. And he was from Tarsus, which is not even close to any of these other places. So people from all over the Mediterranean world are, 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 are leading together this church at Antioch. And I just want to make that the case like God wants to see people from different ethnic and racial backgrounds leading together. Because that's the, that represents his heart. That represents the, the desire for his kingdom to be uh, representative of all the beauty of his people. And then it, so the diverse leadership and then it's Holy Spirit led. Now it says they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So there's a passion for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit said, so, so they're listening as, they, as they're worshiping, as they're fasting, abstaining from food to seek God. The Holy Spirit speaks and they're listening and they hear Him. Oh, that's beautiful. God, would we, would we, would we be attentive to your voice? Would we be ones who, who hear you? And where, where we could say, the Holy Spirit said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we would set apart 
these these guys these people for for this trip this ministry trip so holy spirit led uh, and then prophet the uh, prophet and teacher led so it says um Excuse me. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them. They placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay. And then maybe I, I missed a, a verse in here. It says, um, Okay, yeah. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And so that would just be the, the note to recognize that there was a ministry of hearing God, of prophesying what he's saying, and that the teachers, and presumably all these folks, were, were competent at teaching the word of God. This is what God says, and could do that from different backgrounds. And the fourth one is that they were sending. They were ascending church. Why did they send Barnabas and Saul? Well, one, because the Holy Spirit said, but two, because... This, this God had started to break into the Gentile world. These are people who've never heard of Jesus, and God's desire is that everyone would have a chance to hear about Jesus. Yeah. And so they, they, they send out their, their best. Barnabas and Saul were you know, incredibly gifted. Instead of hoarding them or keeping them or trying to draw a crowd with them of people who already had heard, they took them and they sent them to, um, to Cyprus, and they went on these huge missionary journeys preaching the gospel and seeing many, many people who have never heard of Jesus come to know him. At this point, I need to mention, in Detroit, there are hundreds and, not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of churches in the city. And in this metro area, there's, there's, there's a lot of churches. Now, there's still a lot of people who don't know the gospel, but there's a, there's a lot of, a, there's, it's a saturation of churches. Yet in the world, there are over 3 billion people who've never heard the gospel of Jesus. They don't even have access. There's not even a church anywhere in the vicinity. There's no Christian witness at all. Three billion people. And so just to, to note that we, we are looking to establish a church of, of, that's passionate for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. So there will be a global element to what God is doing among us. One of the pictures that God uh, has been stirring in me is uh, actually a group of, of uh, black men in their 20s as like missionaries in these unreached people groups. Uh, we can sometimes get so focused on the, on, right, on the issues right in front of us, and especially in Detroit, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of things that need to be addressed and tended to. But I, I, I feel in my spirit God's desire to raise up the city to actually send people to the nations, to, to places that have never heard the gospel. To places that that uh, don't have any any uh, any witness to Jesus, because God wants the gospel to be preached. The wonderful news of Jesus is liberating death, burial, and resurrection. So, uh, all these things are happening in this church at Antioch. And, uh, one 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 uh, scholar writes this: There's an increasingly multicultural church in Cosmopolitan Antioch, which invites a multicultural leadership team. Yet the Antioch church's vision is not simply for their own outreach in their city, but for God's larger purposes in the world. 
And so he sends, so that's, so that's why they send these men, Paul and Barnabas, to, on, the, on these missionary trips. Because it's both the local, what's right in front of us, let's meet the needs, let's care for the poor, let's serve the widows, let's do what we need to do right in front of us. And let's send people to the farthest parts of the world so that they can preach the gospel to, to places that have never heard it. When we lose that, we can kind of become insular, and it becomes a silo, and it becomes like, well, we're just in it for us. Again, that's part of losing the plot. God wants to fill us with His Spirit to, to do the work of the kingdom in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is what it says in Acts 1, about when the Holy Spirit comes, all these places matter to God. So, I want us to, um, to take a moment and, uh, and, and sit in, in the, the Lord and, uh, and allow Him to, to reaffirm for us uh, what, he, what He has for us. Now, that, that could look a lot of different ways. Um, what we were praying earlier was, God, there's this big, there's this big prayer that I have. Would you, would you turn this thing around? Would you intervene for this thing? Excuse me. And yet, and yet we're also talking about God's desire for His kingdom to come, for His gospel to be preached uh, to, to the farthest corners of creation. Um, what, what I want to pray this morning is that God would, would whatever, uh, whatever path that we feel like we're walking down right now in life, that God would, would pick us up and gently uh, affirm us and, and position us on the path that he's laid out for us. Um, it says in, in John uh, 12 that he, Jesus is talking about um, himself as the gate for the sheep. That the sheep hear his voice and they, and they follow him, but they don't know the voice, they don't respond to the voice of the enemy or the, or the thief. Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has come that, that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I just am getting this picture of God wanting to pick us up and put, and put us and like show us what part, like that we're in this part of the story. Like this is the part of the story where He's redeemed us. He's given us a new name. He's given us a, a new life. And now he's, he's put us into His story, into His redemptive purposes. And that's everything from uh, your day to day job to to the, the, the maybe the, the trip that he's calling you to take to a, to, a, to a faraway land to tell people about Jesus, to anything in between. It's, it's every, everything. When we say, God, you're my Lord, it's everything. So I just want to invite us to listen, that we would be uh, ones who are listening to the Holy Spirit and, 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 and say, Lord, what are you speaking? Maybe, maybe you've already been hearing it. Maybe it's not something new, but God wants to remind you. He wants to reaffirm the call He's placed in your life. He wants, to, he wants to show you that what you're already doing is a part of His purposes. You just haven't been seeing it. You thought you've been failing. You thought you've been missing it. And God says, actually, no, you're right where I want you. I just want you to know that you're doing my will.
I want you to know that, that you actually are doing exactly what I've called you to do. So, so be encouraged. So Lord, we pray this morning. Uh, would you come and as the good shepherd, would, you, would we be sheep who, who hear your voice? Who respond to your voice because your voice is for our good. That, that we would have life. That we'd have abundant life. That we would walk in step with your spirit. So Lord Jesus, we, uh, we look to you. That, that there will be a day where the mission is complete. There will be a day where the assignment is over. And on that day, we will worship. And the worship will never stop. The mission will be complete. But the worship goes on. And so we want to hear your voice and we want to come into a place of, of, of knowing that whatever the call you have on our life is, it starts from a place of intimacy, a place of worship, a place of, of, of connection into the heart of God. And that by gazing on you and on your beauty, Lord Jesus, that you would reaffirm our, our calling. That you, that, you, that, you would, uh, that you would speak and, and, and correct or, or shift us or change us or, or just say, yes, you're exactly where I want you. Keep doing what you're doing. We just say, whatever it is, Lord, would you speak to us? Whatever it is, would you reaffirm? Would you, as the, as the good shepherd... That we would know your words as life to us. So we're going to enter another song of worship. But I just want to encourage you to stay in this place of listening to the Lord. Um, if you feel like you need prayer for something specific, uh, Chloe and I will be available in the, in the front to, to pray specifically for that thing. Um, but we just want to take a moment to respond to the Lord. To have him clarify calling situate us in his story and connect with his heart. So let's do that. <laughs>